back to the Boneyard Podcast. This is Jared Shaffet and Artemis Brower. We're coming to you this week with episode six of the Boneyard Podcast. Uh, we're, we're pleased to announce that we're going to have two great guests on this week. Uh, first off, we're going to have Stephen Igo joining us of 24-7 Sports and Hoist the Colors. He's really up to date with all the recruiting news, everything you need to know. Um, really awesome guy to talk to. If you want to keep up with anything, he's the guy that I he's the guy I go to. Mm-hmm. Um, and then later on in the podcast, we're going to also have uh, Brett Oliverio on from Sup Dogs. He's the owner of Sup Dogs. Sup Dogs, as y'all all probably know, if you're listening to this podcast, you best bar in the country, baby. Back to back, back to back. Yeah, so <laughs> they're both going to be joining us on this podcast. So I'm I'm, I'm going to go ahead and tell y'all this podcast will be a little bit longer than most. Um, we're, we're going to probably be looking at about an hour and a half, maybe hour and 45 minute podcast, just because these two interviews, they went longer than we expected. Excellent interviews though. They are excellent, excellent interviews. interviews. We're, we're super excited to have them. Um, I think that y'all are going to be so entertained and it's they're full of so much information. Um, so yeah, please make sure you stay tuned through the whole episode. Plus at the end of the episode. At the very end of the episode, we will be talking about our giveaway that we're doing in conjunction with Sup Dogs. Um, we'll talk a little bit more about that, how you can enter, how to win. Um, so we'll, we'll be talking about that at the end. So um, make sure to stay tuned. Um, but yeah, Artie, we're like week five. Yeah. We're like week five in the quarantine. You're you're still working. I, I'm not. I'm staying at home. I'm mm-hmm. trying to social distance other than when we're doing this. Mm-hmm. Uh, Artie. What, what, what is your thoughts right now on where we are in the one in the world, but also looking at it from when, when do you think sports can finally start back? Um, excellent question. And it's something that's really been puzzling a lot of, you know, people across the, across the country, you know, Adam Silver, um, you know, who's the commissioner of the NBA. Uh, you got Roger Goodell, the commissioner of the NFL, um, you got a commissioner of baseball, commissioner of hockey. They don't know. They're all sitting here with this, you know, well, we thought we'd come back in, you know, mid-May. Well, mid-May is not going to work now. Uh, maybe we'll come back early June where they don't know if early June's going to work. Um, the real answer to the question is we still do not know how far off we are. And that's because this virus has really, it hasn't really tampered down. Um, and, 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 you know, Everyone is working their due diligence. Shout out, you know, first and foremost, shout out to the healthcare workers um, because they're the ones that we really need to shout out in this whole situation. The doctors, the nurses, anybody that's working in the medical field, medical staff. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for your for your service. Um, I know a lot of times it goes unnoticed, um, but I just want to make sure that we we give you your due diligence. Um, but as, as you know, as far as sports coming back, you know, the big question is. Will we have football? You know, that's what everybody wants to know. Will football start on time? Obviously, the draft is going to start on time. Draft is this Thursday. Yep. Um, and that's going to happen. That's going to be a virtual draft. First time in it's history. It's so weird. It's going, to, it's going to be very, very uh, weird. I, I was reading something earlier this week about how they think that the reports, the mock drafts, are actually so much further off mm-hmm. this year mm-hmm. compared to last because – the, these reporters, they're not in constant contact with the teams. Right. There, there, there wasn't a combine. There wasn't pro days. It's been all virtual workouts. It's been very interesting. 
So, I mean, you're, uh, my guess is if you're if you don't have anything to do, I believe the draft starts Thursday night. Mm-hmm. If you don't have anything to do Thursday night, grab some beer, yep. grab some food, sit your ass on the couch and watch the draft because that's going to be the <laughs> most entertaining draft we've ever seen. A lot a lot of times the draft is one of the most boring things that I've ever watched. I mean, right. the first four or five picks are fun, but after that I'm just like, oh my gosh, get this thing over with. The draft this year is going to be so exciting because people are going to be people are going to be getting picked up randomly. Like right. it, it, these guys, you're, you're going to yes, we probably we all know Joe Burrow is probably going to go number one. Not probably, he's going one. But but after that, I mean, a whole it, bunch of trades going to happen. Show. I mean, yeah, it, it, it's it, this draft Falcons, is going to be incredible. I'm hoping my Falcons trade up. Absolutely incredible. So, um, but as far as sports coming back. Um, to me, the only obvious answer is, you know, everybody's like, oh, I, I want sports back. I want my normal life back. Yada, yada, yada. I don't care about sports. I don't care about my, like anything else. You got to stay behind <laughs> indoors. I, I just, I don't know how else to, 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 to tell it. I don't know how else you want me to say it. Stay you behind indoors. You know, stay the course. It's, it's rough. It sucks. I get it. Um, but there's no end in sight. And the only way that we're going to be able to help those in the medical profession is by not being unnecessarily going out, getting in these large gatherings over 10 people. In my opinion, anything over five people is a problem. Um, You know, find your little show on Netflix, you know, get your little honey or whatever, you know, male or female. I don't care. I don't care what your preference is. (laughs) Just stay your butt indoors and let's get through this thing together so that we can get our sports back, so that we can get our, you know, normal lives back. So, Yep, and so we already kind of touched on the NFL with the draft this week. Uh, we did have some ECU-related news when it comes to the NFL. Uh, it dropped earlier this week uh, that former ECU cornerback Josh Hawkins, he's a Winston-Salem native, he has been picked up, signed as a free agent by the Atlanta Falcons. He spent most of... Last year, uh, when the XFL was still going on, playing in the XFL, um, doing some pretty good work there. This will be his fourth team in four years. Uh, this will be his fourth year in the NFL. Um, Artie, I got to say, as a Falcons fan, I'm excited about this. Mm-hmm. They they haven't re-signed Justin Hardy, but there are, I mean, knowing what he can do on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, his nickname is Ball Hawkins for a reason. Well, for one, his last name is Hawkins. But two, he's a ball hawk. Mm-hmm. I mean, this guy can go up and he can compete with almost any wideout out there. Yeah. So I'm excited to see what he can do, um, especially after the Falcons' defense has lost some guys. Uh, Desmond Trufant, like losing him uh, on the defense. This this is kind of replacing him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not as big of a name, but it, it's going to do. Um, he, he's going to be able to come in. Get some reps and see see game time action. And at, and at this point in time, Josh Hawkins he's a journeyman. He's not only a journeyman, but he's a veteran. So he knows what to expect. He knows what's going to go on. Um, you and know, he, he's played with he's played with some good NFL cornerbacks. So absolutely, he, he know he knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. He, he's he's had I think 2017. He had three starts with the Green Bay Packers. Um, logged in 38 tackles, six uh, passes deflected. It's not like he does not have legit game experience. So he will come in as a veteran with years behind his belt, knowing what it is that he needs to do. And he's also got a chip on his shoulder because he is a journeyman. He has been with four or five different teams in the last four or five years. 
And so he wants to be able to go somewhere and stay there and actually legitimize himself. And so I think it's a great opportunity for Josh Hawkins. Yeah, I'm super excited about him being there. Um, but yeah, not so far, not much else going on um, with ECU athletics. Um, still waiting to hear on whether the season will start on time. My guess, I had some, I've had several people texting me in our DMs asking, hey, what are y'all's thoughts on starting the season? Do you know, have you heard anything? Mm-hmm. Guys, we promise you, if we know something, you will know it. Um, we would be, we would love to be the ones to break it. Um, to be honest with you, that that stuff's going to be all decided once this coronavirus is finished and once we're kind of through through all of this on the other side. Mm-hmm. But what I will say, my my personal belief and looking at it, and I've been looking every day at the models and everything, and I'll, it's up to you whether you want to believe the models or not, but. What I will say is I can see the season starting. It might not start on time. It might not start week zero in the late August. But I can see this football season starting somewhere around mid to late September, early October. Mm-hmm. I was thinking early October. I, I could see that. Push the, push the season back. Push these games back into, into the end of like January, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And then have the bowl season. That, that'll that give you plenty enough time to get through the bowl season and then also get into the pro days, the combine, and the draft looking into 2021. So that would be my estimate on college football. Right. I, I don't foresee them having games without fans. I, I don't. That that would be such a detriment to, to wait, the wait, NCAA and to schools around. Well, here's the thing: if 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 it's not safe to have fans, then it's not safe to play the games. Exactly. I mean, that's just common sense. If it, if it's if it's not okay for people to gather in a stadium, then why is it okay for a football player who is getting who is sweating, who might be bloody, getting cuts, scrapes, bruises on the field? battling it out with, you know, 11 other guys on the other side of the field. You know, if, if it's not safe for fans to be there, it's not safe for football players to play the game or, you know, any other sport for that matter. So, you know, yes, fans being at the game um, obviously is 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 is, is only going to happen if it's okay for the actual sport itself to go on, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, so, yeah, we're glad that Josh Hawkins is in the A now. We've talked about Linville Joseph. We know Zay is – in Las Vegas, um, Dwayne Harris also in Las Vegas right now, and then the one outlier right now still looking for a team. Uh, former wide receiver of the Falcons, Justin Hardy, he's he's a free agent right now. So mm-hmm. um, hopefully he'll he'll I'm sure he'll get picked up sometime soon, um, but we'll, we'll have to stay tuned um, on that. But what I know that. This is going to be a longer podcast since we have two interviews already. Why don't you say let's uh, go ahead and throw it to our first interview. Absolutely. Uh, Mr. Steven Igo of 24-7 Sports, Hoist the Colors. Uh, he's probably the most intellectual person when it comes to ECU recruiting. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of giving you the breakdowns of games and everything, the inside the inside out of ECU athletics in the athletic department. Um, he's, got the, he's got the full scoop, so... Guys, I think you'll really enjoy this interview. We talk about recruits. We talk about um, 
the future schedule. We talk, and we also talk about our ECU Mount Rushmore. So ECU Mount Rushmore, our four top four guys or girls that are on the ECU Mount Rushmore all time for ECU athletics. So um, give give it a listen. Um, really excited about this interview. And without further ado, here's Stephen Igo. Our next guest, he's uh, the founder of Hoist the Colors, writer for 24-7 Sports. He has the inside scoop for everything ECU Athletics. He's one of my good friends, been a good friend of mine for several years now. Um, he is Mr. Steven Igo from 24-7 Sports. How's it going, Steven? It's going good, guys. A uh, pleasure to, to join the Boneyard Podcast. and Appreciate you, you know, reaching out a few weeks back just when you were looking to start this thing and uh, I think it's, you know, anytime ECU can get more coverage, uh, I think it's a good thing. So looking forward to seeing what you guys can do with the podcast moving forward. Absolutely. Yeah, man. We, this is something that, I mean, you, you know, you've known that I've been trying to get into some sports journalism for a while now. And I thought this was a, a great way for, for me to kind of get my, my steps in and my reps in. So, um, yeah, it's something we're, we're really excited about. We thank you for coming on. And uh, and joining us, someone we've been trying to put together for about a year now, and mm-hmm. we're finally yep. we're finally doing it. Um, so how how's everything going with you, man? Is I know I know this coronavirus has kind of put a damper on all things sports, but uh, what what are you doing to keep busy right now? You know, we're doing a lot of different stuff on Hoist the Colors, just as far as uh, different content ideas. And, of course, there are no live sporting events to cover, but we're actually producing more content as far as the number of articles and posts uh, than we were this time a year ago, just to kind of help make up the difference uh, with the lack of stuff going on. So, you know, we're staying busy um, as far as, you know, looking back at some history stuff, some what-if articles that I've been doing. you know, of course, a lot of recruiting because that's still ongoing. Uh, we've been having a daily debate on the site just about different topics concerning ECU athletics. We're trying to keep the discussion going. So uh, lots of recruiting, lots of different stuff. But uh, like you guys, I'm sure, and like everybody, just missing the uh, mm-hmm. coverage of live events, getting to report on those. But, you know, we got to do what we can. In the meantime, I'm just glad, you know, I still have a job and I'm able to work through all this. So. Uh, I count my blessings and, you know, we move, move forward and get through each day. Yeah. And I mean, like you said, it's, it's been hard to come up with content. We, we joked a couple of weeks ago on the podcast that, I mean, <laughs> this was probably the worst, most inopportune time to, to start a podcast, to start a sports <laughs> podcast. Um, but Hey, we're here, we're doing this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, let's, let's get into some of the recruiting. I know, I know a lot of our listeners, a lot of our followers on social media have been asking, Hey, can y'all talk a little bit more about recruiting? And I mean, you're you're the go-to person for all things recruiting at ECU. You're the person that I go to. You're the person that I trust and I follow. Um, so, give me kind of what is your synopsis on how the 2020 class ended up? Um, I know they're not fully enrolled yet, um, but what, what's your synopsis on how how the new regime did? You know, I think very positive. Um, you know, if there was one concern I have with Coach Mike Houston coming in to the job is that he had never been an FBS coach. A lot of his assistants had never be, been FBS assistants. So I didn't really know how he would recruit 
uh, at this level. Um, and, uh, you know, I, th- I thought it would take some time for them to get used to recruiting because recruiting at ECU is a lot different than, let's say, James Madison, where Mike Houston was before. You can basically take any transfer and he's eligible to play right away um, as far as going down a level. So it was a different ball game here. You're mainly recruiting high school kids and some JUCO guys. Uh, but I, I was very impressed. You know, I was on, honestly kind of blown away um, just with their staff's approach. You know, they really hit South Carolina hard. They only got three commitments out of there, but they got three of the top players in the state. They have a lot of ties in that area, uh, of course, with Mason Garcia. But Raji Harris and uh, Xavier McIver are very good, two of the top players in that state as well. And then in-state, you know, they did enough. They got a, a really good kid from East North Carolina, J.V. McCray. The big thing is they had to address the defensive line. Mm-hmm. They did that um, in a big way. They, they've they signed seven they also have a commitment from another kid who won't sign, but he'll enroll and be on scholarship later this fall. So they have eight defensive linemen coming in. Um, it's a top three or top four class in the American, depending on what rankings you look at, which is a lot better than where EC has finished over the years. So uh, you look at most of the guys, their offers, they had, you know, quote unquote, power five offers. And uh, I think in the past, we haven't seen that as much from ECU commitment. So they beat off some heavy hitters for these guys. You know, they dipped down in the Florida, got two out of Pennsylvania, um, got a, a couple in the Northeast. So they did a little bit of everything in this recruiting class. And I was very impressed overall. Filled some needs, added some guys who would play right away. Yeah, I mean, that that's the one thing I noticed from this recruiting class and um, from Mike Houston's kind of recruiting strategy is that he's not afraid to go into some of those states like the New Jersey's, the Maryland's that um, usually we wouldn't be recruiting out of, but he, he's going in and he's getting some, he's getting some good high level recruits. Um, so yeah, I, I think that, I think that's a great thing that he's doing now. Um, Artie, did you have something? Yeah. If, if, if you had to grade this class or I guess give Mike Houston a grade for like his first true recruiting class, what would you give him? Uh, Cause I, I look at this as his first true class coming in yeah definitely his first true class I mean he did add probably three or four guys in the 19 class after getting in December but you know really didn't have a lot of time so I, I, I'm with you I think this is his first true class I mean for me it, it's you know the grading the classes thing is always hard because I always say you know you can't accurately grade it until mm-hmm. three or four years have passed but right you know just based off covering the team um, over the years covering past recruiting classes. I think the biggest thing with this class is character. And I know that's cliche and it sounds kind of lame, but I think the most important thing is like these kids are going to stay in school. They're going to develop. They're going to buy in. And that's been the biggest problem with the last few classes. They've had some talent. They just haven't had any uh, guys that stayed in school and developed. So when I look at this thing, filling position needs, adding true talent, um, I I think it's got to be at least a B plus, if not an A minus. I mean, it's tr- it's truly hard to give a class a straight A or A plus right. um, because they did miss on at least a few guys. But I, I think B plus uh, or A minus is fair and, and much better than what it's been in the past. Right, and that's a pretty good grade for your, your first class coming out. You know, um, absolutely. But speaking of um, Mason Garcia, you know, the four star coming out of uh, coming out of Myrtle Beach. I was a little curious because, you know, Houghton Aylers, he had a tremendous second half of the year um, last year to end the season. And I was curious, you know, with Garcia coming out and if he's able to enroll, do you think there's going to be any 
you know, type of quarterback controversy between Garcia and Ehlers? So I think Ehlers is the guy for the next two years. Now that mm-hmm. said, you know, I went, I went and I saw Garcia practice um, in the spring of his junior year. So going into his senior year, I watched some practice and then I watched a game when they played uh, Myrtle Beach High School, which is one of the top high schools in um, South Carolina last fall. So I saw him in person a lot of times. I don't like to make a fair evaluation on a guy until I see him in person. But, mm-hmm. I mean, the, the kid is the real deal. He is a legitimate SEC caliber quarterback. When I was at his practice, there was another coach from Akron um, there at the time, and we he was recruiting him. You know, I was just there doing an evaluation. He told me, you know, how can this kid not have more offers? You know, there's a reason uh, he had some academic hurdles to overcome, mm-hmm. um, but he ended up making all A's uh, in the fall semester. He's on track to enroll now. Um, and, you know, physically, I think he's the real deal. He could come in. You're going to see him in person. You're going to see the arm strength. You're going to be like, wow, how's this kid coming to ECU? But I do think there's something to be said for the mental side of the game. Um, you know, not that he's not smart and not capable of handling it, because I've talked to him. He's actually really intelligent. He just didn't mm-hmm. apply himself early in school. But I, I think he's going to have to get away from uh, his home life in South Carolina, kind of adjust to college. And I really think a redshirt year benefits him uh, dramatically. So I think in you know, ideal world, if you could redshirt him, mm-hmm. maybe still play him in those four games uh, that you can as a freshman. But redshirt him, let Holton run the show the next two years, and then by his redshirt sophomore year, he's your bona fide starter. He's sat and learned. Uh, he's adjusted to college. I think that's your ideal scenario. But, you know, if he was forced to come in and play, you know, knock on wood, let's hope there are no injuries. But if Holton goes down, I think he's without a doubt your guy, and he can go in there and operate because he's that good of an athlete. Yeah, and that, that's I, – I got that from watching some of his film, watching um, some of the things he's doing on the field. and. Um, uh, one thing I wanted to kind of transition from, so with, with Mason Garcia, we had him, but we also had two other quarterback recruits. What, what's your take on, on that situation? Um, why, why, did this, why did the coaching staff go after three quarterbacks um, and three different style quarterbacks at that in, the, in this recruiting class? So I think it's a, a couple of different factors in one. You know, I mentioned the, the Mason uh, academic deal. So when he committed, you know, what was it last summer when he committed at that time, you know, they were hopeful of him enrolling and making academically, but it was not a sure thing. So I think they wanted to get some insurance and you do that. I think Taji Hudson, the other quarterback commitment ended up submitting uh, probably a few weeks after Mason. Uh, so at that time you had two and then, you know, this kid out of Texas, uh, Ryan Stubblefield, came to camp, and at the time, ECU had no quarterback commitments, but he put on an absolute show for the coaching staff. Um, he's undersized in terms of height. He's only probably about 5'10 or 5'11, but has an absolute cannon. And so they really liked him, but they were like, hey, do we really need a third quarterback? And Donnie Kirkpatrick, the offensive coordinator, went down to watch him play in a high school game uh, in the state playoffs in Texas just to see, all right, you know, if this kid blows me away, you know, maybe we can take him. And uh, he did blow them away. They went on the road, upset one of the top seeds in the playoffs. He threw for like 300, 350. Um, And so at that point, you know, you take them, 
you look back at last year, you only had three scholarship quarterbacks on the roster after Reed Herring left. You know, Brian Gag and Alex Flynn were not recruited by Mike Houston's staff. I'm not saying that they're going to leave or anything, but I do think there is something to be said about this staff having their own guys in they believe in a quarterback. So I wouldn't be shocked to see Taji end up switching uh, to wide receiver, to safety, to linebacker. I mean, he is a, a great athlete, and he can play pretty much anywhere on the field. He'll start at quarterback, but my hunch is that Mason and Stubblefield will end up playing quarterback long term, and I think Taji will end up maybe playing a different position. So then really you only sign two, and then you would only have five scholarship quarterbacks you know, going forward uh, with this uh, quarterback room. Yeah, and um... – <clears throat> Kind of, kind of transitioning, I guess, more towards the the season. Um, if we actually do have a college football season, which the three of us all hope and pray that we that we do, um, I was telling Jared a couple couple weeks ago that I thought seven wins it was kind of like the 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 marquee um, win total that you know we should probably be able to get to this season. Uh, what's your take over under seven wins um, if and if and when we actually have a uh, football season? Well, I'll, I would take six right here today just to see you return to some type of bowl game. You know, the thing I worry about is just this conference. Um, you know, I, I look at ECU's schedule and I worry, you know, outside of uh, Norfolk State, you know, what game can you look at and say ECU is going to be favored in 100%? I mean, right. there's really not. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, and I do think, you know, if the offense plays like they did the, the last half of last year and the defense improves even a little bit, I mean, that's a potential bowl team, mm -hmm. but I worry about the defense because of no spring practice. Um, I would go under the seven. You know, I don't. I think it's possible, but I think it will take a lot of improvement across the board. This is a really talented team, but they're also really young. And, you know, I just worry that the, the Marshall game is key to me, and I think maybe ECU is favored in that game going into the opener because they're playing at home. But Marshall – I can tell you from their CompUSA days are, are really talented. They take a lot of academic at-risk kids uh, over the years, and they end up um, being one of the more talented teams in CompUSA every year. So they'll be coming in, and that'll be a big game for them for obvious reasons, given everything surrounding the rivalry. Um, you know, Georgia State on the road is a tricky game. They went into Tennessee and won last year. Every team on the American Athletic Conference schedule, ECU, uh, has some sort of losing streak against because they went one and seven in the AAC last year and mm -hmm. UConn's gone, the only team they beat. So, you know, you're probably going to have to get to three wins in conference, which ECU hasn't done since 2015. And you're going to ha probably have to get to, you know, three wins non-conference to make a bowl game, you know, assuming that South Carolina isn't a win on the road, which isn't, you know, I'm looking at that game, not unwinnable, but it's still right. tough to go into. But just that atmosphere, it's, it's, it's daunting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, so, we, we were there in 2016 and I mean, everybody, when we left said, Oh, y'all, y'all should have definitely beat us. Um, all those South Carolina fans we talked to. And then, I mean, Mike Houston, he, he's gone in there and I mean, he's done it before with this, when he, with his time in, at the Citadel. Um, so, if anybody can do it, I mean, I, I think this team is is a decent enough team to to maybe pull that upset at South Carolina. Yeah, no, and I and I spoke with Mike Houston before, and he said this on the record, off the record. You know, there's not a game on their schedule that they don't think they can win. The problem is 
there's also not a game on their schedule where their opponent is looking at them and saying, we shouldn't mm-hmm. beat ECU. So, right. um, you know, I, I think it's a, I think it's, it could go either way. Um, and again, I think hurt or not having spring practice really hurts you because of the inability to kind of progress your defense, um, which is really what needs the most improvement. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's, that's something that, I mean, looking at our, our past, I mean, our, our defense has been historically over the last five, six years, been our weakness. And mm-hmm. um, I, I was kind of wondering, what, what do you think about um, the opportunity now from the new defensive coordinator, Blake Harrell? What, what, what do you get from him? I'm really impressed, you know, I, not only from talking with um, people, you know, surrounding ECU's program now, but just talking to people who know coaching, um, who are affiliated with the, the industry really like coach Harrell as kind of an up and comer defensive coordinator, really versatile in terms of the scheme. And I think that's going to be the biggest difference you'll see this year. ECU defensively last year was extremely vanilla. They would line up in their four, two, five defense. They would rarely rotate as far as personnel. They would rarely rotate coverages. They would rarely blitz. It was just let's line up and play and see what happens. And, at James Madison, that could work because at the FCS level, James Madison had pretty elite defense uh, of athleticism and skill compared to their opponents. Here at ECU and the recruiting failures of the last few years, you have not had that elite talent compared to the rest of this league mm-hmm. uh, by far. So you've got to get a little creative, and that's what Blake Carroll is going to do. You know, he's going to go 3-4, uh, but they're going to slide into a 4-2-5 defense. They're going to play – you know, some different stuff on third down where you'll see some some packages where they go two defensive linemen and bring in, you know, four linebackers and uh, five DBs or, you know, three linebackers and six DBs. There's going to be some exotic packages as well as different fronts. And I think that can help ECU a lot uh, because they, you know, right now they just don't have the defensive talent to just line up and outman people. But if you can get creative and, and confuse some offenses, that's when you make uh, mistakes happen, and that's when you can capitalize. So I kind of look at it like SMU last year. They were not SMU was not very good defensively, mm-hmm. but they had a great offense, and they forced a ton of turnovers and had a ton of sacks. Um, so and it played right into their team style. I almost think that's kind of what ECU is going for, except maybe to be a little bit more hard nosed defensively than than SMU was. Yeah, and I would um, ask, what what game, I guess, uh, are you looking most forward to this season? And then vice versa, what game are you not looking forward to uh, this season? Um, I'll say, you know, I think the Marshall game is the obvious answer just mm-hmm. because it, I just want it to happen, period. Um, and the, it'll be the first game, but just the, the circumstances surrounding the plane crash in 1970, the 50th year anniversary. Um, mm-hmm. That game would be so awesome to witness. Um, outside of that, UCF on Thursday night, you know, yeah. Always that has UCF a chance to be really, Yeah, I mean, that has a chance to be a really big game uh, in terms of national stage. It's your conference opener. You know, let's say you get up and you win that game, it could change your entire season. So, mm-hmm. I really hope assuming that fans can come to games and assuming we have games that that uh people show out for that game because i felt like last year's temple game 
I know the Thursday night game is tough to get to, but uh, the atmosphere was kind of lacking at times. Mm-hmm. Um, those that showed up made noise, but it was those that didn't show up, which kind of disappointed. So uh, as far as game, not looking forward to uh, Norfolk State, just because it's the FCS game. Um, the good news is I'll be able to cover a win that day for sure, more than likely. <laughs> uh, but uh, um, I'm not looking forward to uh, November road trips up north to Cincinnati and Temple either. I hate covering games yeah. at Temple. Uh, it's miserable. It's cold. It's in a giant NFL stadium with nobody there. So yeah, nobody feels it that's out. Gonna suck. Yeah, yeah, nobody, nobody cares. I mean, historically, we haven't fared well. And have, have we have we won at Lincoln Financial? I don't know if we've ever won there. Yeah, I don't yeah. think so. I mean, I, I think that ECU. So ECU and Temple played back in the '80s, but I don't know if Temple has always played in the Eagle Stadium or not, but Mm -hmm. they've never won a Lincoln Financial because I think it's relatively new, and ECU hasn't won since since entering the American against Temple at all. Yeah, we've had had some close games against Temple, but we've never been able to get over the hump against Mm -hmm. them. Um, That's the most frustrating series uh, for ECU. Yeah, I I would agree. That Temple series really is frustrating. I would either say that one or South Florida. I mean, we've only got one win against South Florida. Yeah. Um, even from the Conference USA days. I mean, that's, I mean, that, that's one of those teams that, I mean, for some reason, they, it seems like they always have our number. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know. I, I've never – football or basketball, I mean, I've always just felt like their, their athletes can get under ECU fans and ECU athletes scan a little bit more than than other teams mm-hmm. um kind of going back to recruiting are for looking forward to 2021 this this upcoming recruiting class are there any prospects that you that really pop out and jump out at you um when when looking at this class you know there's a there's a number of them it's so unique with the 2021 class because here we sit on what is it, April 19th, and mm-hmm. ECU doesn't have a commitment yet for the 2021 class. Now, wow. if these were normal circumstances, I would think they would have at least five or six. Mm-hmm. Yep. But you, you don't have visits. And there's been some fringe kids that have indicated they want to commit to ECU staff. But right now, ECU doesn't want to rush and just take a kid just to take a kid. So um, it's kind of a weird time in that – all this stuff is being done virtually due to the coronavirus. So that's really slowed down a school like ECU uh, as far as recruiting. Uh, I will give you like a few names um, that ECU has been on for a long time. Uh, Jacob Coleman is a tight end out of Chesterfield, Virginia, 6'4", 215. He did visit before the shutdown. He's actually got an older brother, Jonathan Coleman, on the team already. So, He's a guy that ECU sits in pretty good shape with, a really dynamic athlete. Uh, Rutgers and Boston College have also offered him, so that's kind of a recruiting battle that will continue. Uh, Jaden Johnson out of Cedartown, Georgia, phenomenal athlete, uh, probably going to play safety or linebacker in college. He's a teammate of the Taji Hudson kid who signed with ECU last year, so ECU's got to end there. Um, he's 6'2", 195, South Carolina and Kansas State just offered him, but ECU, again, sits in a pretty good spot there. Uh, a few other just names to throw around. James Ziegler out of uh, Kennesaw, Georgia. ECU's got some ties there with 
Coach Harold coming on staff. He's a, a running back slash receiver who can really run. And then uh, Isaiah Henderson, a kid out of Virginia Beach who has been on campus in the past. So those are some of the top targets. I mean, there are so many kids. I think ECU, like on 24-7 sports, we've got ECU offering more than 200 kids right now wow. um, for this class. So there's just so much to be sorted out. And if they ever open it back up to take some visits, I think you'll see a rash of kids commit on their first or second visit following this dead period. Yeah, well, one of the kids that I that I saw that, I mean, just looking at looking at the numbers, I mean, I haven't seen any of his game tape, but – uh, Jalen Jones, I mean, th- this kid, he, lo- he looks like the real deal um, coming out of high school. Yeah, Richmond, Virginia, um, he released his top five recently. ECU was in it. I think Virginia Tech is kind of ECU's biggest competition. Wake Forest is also in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, he's, he, you know, this is another case where, you know, he said basically he might go ahead and commit, but he's still going to take – all five of his visits once this thing is open. So it's like, what's the point of really committing outside of just, I guess, to save a spot um, when you're not even, when you haven't even taken any visits yet. So it's really a weird time. No no coaches have ever dealt with this. Um, I haven't dealt with it as far as covering it. So I almost think, you know, even with a lot of these kids committing early without taking visits, I'll be, I think you'll see more decommitments and flips than you've ever seen, assuming that they're able to take visits, you know, later this summer and fall. Yeah, I mean, that, that that's to be seen, but I, I wouldn't doubt that. Um, especially, and then when you look at it with the NCAA's new transfer rule, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I could see more transfers in the future of guys that committed that maybe during this time that, they didn't even know what was going on or they didn't know what they were getting into when they commit to a school. Um, do, you, do you have a take on that? Oh, yeah, without a doubt. I think that it's – I think you're opening Pandora's box um, with the transfer rule. I mean, I think specifically, like you mentioned, with this class, guys are going to not be visiting the school that they're committing to. Mm-hmm. And if this thing continues, you know, they might they may show up on campus in the fall and just be like, well, this isn't what it was like online or this coach doesn't sound like uh, he did when he was recruiting me. And um, I mean, you already see a ton of transfers and I think you'll only see more going forward. You know, a lot of people say that it will hurt a school like ECU. I think there's good and bad. I mean, I think the bad is obvious. You have a, a kid that's really good, has a dominant freshman year. You know, he's more likely to transfer up. But I think also that five-star, four-star on a Alabama, if he sits the bench his whole freshman year, he's likely to transfer down. So um, I think there's, you know, good and bad. I think either way it's bad for the sport, though. Um, and, I, you know, I, I get siding with the kids because the coaches can leave whenever they want, but there is a difference between a coach and a guy who's trying to get a college education. So um, it's a it's a tough argument, uh, but I do think it, it will end up hurting the sport in the long run if they just completely open everything. And um, kind of switching gears to some some ECU history here, um, you know, over the years, you know, ECU football, maybe not in recent memory, but, uh, you know, ECU football's had some phenomenal uh, teams over the years. I kind of wanted to pick your brain a little bit. What What is one team 
um, from your memory that that had all the pieces, had all the weapons, but just couldn't get over the hump. They they were almost there, but they just they just couldn't get over that hump. What ECU team kind of stands out to you? There's two that come to mind. Um, so the 1999 season was extremely good for ECU and Steve Logan. They went into the 2000 um, season, I think preseason ranked, and ended up going six and five. You know, had some just heart wrenching losses, and then they had the the uh, the bowl game that will make any ECU fan throw up if you just say the 2001 GMAC bowl. Um, uh-huh. ECU led Marshall 38 to eight at halftime. Wow! And David Garrard's final game, Leonard Henry's final game, they ended up losing the game, uh, in I think double or triple overtime to Marshall and Byron Leftwich. Uh, that was probably the most disappointing ECU team as far as expectations versus results. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other one is the 2014 ECU mm-hmm. team. Yep. 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 I think that team, I think that team had so much uh, talent and it was, it, you know, it was, you know, looking back at it, maybe not the best raw talent, but they had a lot of talent that fit Lincoln Riley and Ruffin McNeil's system. Mm-hmm. And they just had so many heartbreaking losses that, that year. I mean, you look, at every loss that season and you kind of just scratch your head even the South Carolina game early in the year they played played well could have won uh we all know what happened with the UCF Hail Mary Gosh, yeah, the I, yeah. Bowl game. <laughs> I, I still don't like yeah, talking about so, that game I was I was one of the yeah few I mean stu- I was one of the few students that stuck around and yeah because I I left when it was a blowout because it, it that if I'm remembering correctly, that game was in December. Mm-hmm. It was like the it first, was raining that, that it day. It was raining and it was in December, so it was really cold. It was not comfortable, and I remember going from hugging the security guard, jumping <laughs> up and down because we had just come back, and then almost crying in the in the boneyard. So yeah, that that game was that game was tough. <laughs> that was a frustrating eight win season. I mean, you had the you had the highest of beating Virginia Tech and North Carolina. Mm-hmm. You had the absolute low of losing the Temple. That freaking Temple, man. They started the downturn of the Ruff Miller with that seven fumble game. That oh, kind of yeah, knocked ECU off the pedestal. And then they lost to Cincinnati in heartbreaking fashion the next week. And then, you know, started to play well again towards the end of the year and then the UCF game and then the Florida Bowl game. I mean, you could have, you can argue that team shouldn't have lost, but maybe one or two games. And instead, they finished eight and five, and that's kind of when things started to turn a bit for uh, for Coach Ruff. But looking back on, it, I think we would all take another eight win season like that uh, sometime soon, based on what we've seen. Yeah, we we got it. We got to get back to the winning ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think all of ECU and all of Part Nation is is ready for that. So, I got. I know you've been around ECU for a while now. Um, looking back at your your days as a student, what was maybe your favorite moment? It could be um, sports-related or not. I'm guessing it's probably going to lean more sports-related. What What's your favorite moment um, from the time that you were a student at ECU? Mm. That's, uh, that's tough. Uh, there's so much uh, I remember. But, you know, I've got to go. So 2010 was my first year as a student that was also the first year the boneyard section opened and it was coach Russ's first year um 
And I, so I started covering the team. I started Hoist the Colors in 2010, but I didn't start covering the team until 2011. Um, so I, w- I went to the games as, fan, as a fan 2010. And to be there during Russ' first year, you know, there were ups and downs. But the first game against Tulsa, I mean, that, that game was just insane. It was high scoring back and forth. You got the true air raid field, uh, field that game. I think you see through for like 400-something odd yards and uh ended up winning on the Hail Mary uh, in Russ first game in the first game of the Boneyard so in the Boneyard section like right in front of the Boneyard so that was uh that was incredible you also had to win over NC State that season in overtime um those are two of the more vivid games that stick out to me just because I was a true student then and not really you know working and once I started covering games it became like more of a job or as you still enjoy it, you still get to appreciate what you're doing, but you don't really get to truly enjoy game day as much because you're working. So um, definitely that 2010 season when I was a freshman and some of the dramatics, the Tulsa game was was something I'll never forget. Yeah, and you, you mentioned just a minute ago um, starting Hoist the Colors in 2010, and um, we actually had a question from um, Dan Rosenblum um, on Twitter, he wanted to know. So, what are your what's your plans? What's your goals for Hoist the Colors? Um, maybe short term goals and even long term goals. Um, do you, what, what's your plan for the upcoming time? Well, my plan is to keep Hoist the Colors rolling um, for as long as possible. You know, the reason I started it was because I felt like, you know, growing up in Greenville and growing up, you know, going to ECU, I felt like there was a void in online coverage. Um, just as far as ECU athletics, given the passion of the fan base, you know, I'd lived it myself. Um, I wanted to get in the sports media if possible. And, uh, I feel like, you know, I was able to, to do that with Hoist of Colors. And a lot of people are like, Hey, don't you want to move on to, to ESPN one day or Sports Illustrated? And, you know, honestly, growing up, yes. But now that I've been able to do this every day for the past, you know, eight, nine years or so. Um, no, nah, I wouldn't want to do anything else. I mean, I get to cover my alma mater. Mm-hmm. You know, even through the tough times we talked about as far as the wins and losses, we've continued to grow online in terms of membership, in terms of page views, in terms of everything we're, we're studying analytically, business-wise. So, you know, my thing is, you know, we continue to, to have interest. People, you know, love what we do in Hoisted Colors. Just imagine what it's going to be like when, ECU gets back to what it can be as far as winning, uh, as far as, you know, the fans being really engaged. And, and we have that diehard core that's always engaged, but, you know, there are a lot of fans who wait to sign up or really get engaged um, when ECU is back doing what it can, especially in football. So, you know, my goal is to continue to grow, hoist the colors, make it as best as can be, make it the most reliable reporting on ECU out there. Um, I don't really have any goals of going anywhere else. You know, growing up, I wanted to be a major league baseball beat writer, but given all the traveling and the time away from my family with all that, I don't think I could do that, especially now that I'm married. So, um, yeah, if I could do this for the rest of my life, I'd be plenty happy. So that's my long-term that's awesome. goal. That, that's that's great to hear. I know Pirate Nation is, is grateful for that. I mean, I know I am um, personally because – like I said earlier, you're you're the go-to that you're who I go to. I, I've actually got 
um, both on the Boneyard podcast and on my personal account. I've got your tweet notifications <laughs> turned on just so I don't miss anything that <laughs> well, put out there. What's I up? appreciate that, man. Hopefully, it, hopefully it doesn't um, make you too mad when I tweet something stupid, which I'm <laughs> I'm known to do every now and then. Uh, it has nothing to do with these sports, so I'll try and keep that in mind going forward. But uh, I appreciate that. Oh yeah, no problem. Um, so. What we've been doing over the past couple of weeks, we started off with our basketball, Mount Rushmore. Then we had Evan Krasinski on to talk about baseball and his baseball, Mount Rushmore. Last mm-hmm. week, we had Bryce Williams on, former ECU tight end, to talk about the football, Mount Rushmore. Now we kind of want to bring it all together and um, really discuss, okay, who is the ECU Mount Rushmore? So are we, are we talking all sports? All sports. Oh, wow. This is a big one. So, it, I mean, it could be anybody. I mean – Literally anybody. Um, it could be somebody from track. It could have anybody on there. Coaches. It could, it could be coaches. I go. You you want to start us off? This is tough, man. But I so I've come up with a I've come up with four. So do you want me to just go one at a time, or how, how do you guys want to do it? So we we've been kind of going one at a time, kind of having a little bit of, of discussion about it, and then um. Well, we after you go, we'll we'll give ours, okay? Okay. All right. Well, I'll go with the. Uh, so since we're going to everybody, I decided to go administrator first, um, and I'm going to go with. Uh, you know, he's not the most popular guy in terms of popularity, and you know, everybody might not know his name. So that's the only reason I debated over this. But former athletic director Dave Hart, who Ooh. was the AD until 1995 so he oversaw ECU's really their boom in football um you know he he got he was the AD when ECU made the NCAA tournament last in 1993 he was the AD when ECU had their 11 win season number nine overall ranking uh he, he hired Bill Lewis he hired Steve Logan um arguably you know really probably the most successful AD tenure in ECU history. He ended up leaving in 1995 to go to Florida State. But he's in the hall. Inducted this. I think if you're going to open it up for everybody, you know, not only athletes and coaches, but administrators, I think if you look at the history of ECU athletics, Dave Hart, probably your most successful AD. And he came back, um, you know, towards the end of his tenure to help out in his advisor. So he's my pick as an administrator to, to get this thing going. Yeah, I mean, I when when I was texting you about this earlier, I mean, I was I wasn't even thinking uh, about him. I, I wasn't even thinking really athletic directors. I know we've had some shady ones over the over the course of this <laughs> use time. Um, I won't name names, but um, but yeah, Jeff I mean, Comper. <laughs> I, you said it, I didn't. Um, but yeah, uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean that that's a great answer. I, I never even really thought about it and I mean yeah he did help um he did help come back and kind of get us back on on the right track and get us to go where we're going now um which I think is up um so yeah I mean that's a hell of an answer I go um who else you got so um you know I think easily one of the more recognizable names in East football history uh, tied for the highest draft pick ever in ECU football history, one of the few 2,000-yard 
rushers in the NFL history. Chris Johnson, uh, I think the senior year he put up in 2007 um, and the NFL career. I think, you know, when you do this, you got to factor in, especially with the players, kind of the legacy they leave um, in terms of what they do after ECU. And I think Chris Johnson, probably, you know, your most notable NFL ECU alumni. Um, and yep. there have been other great players that have come through ECU, but when you think of ECU and the NFL, you know, you immediately go to Chris Johnson because of what he did there. And so that's, mm-hmm. that's my pick for a football. And there's so many good football players in ECU history. You go so many, but I go Chris Johnson because of what he did in the NFL. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think last week when we did our, our football Mount Rushmore, we all said Chris Johnson was, I think that was the only person we all had on our on our list so I mean you're not going to have any argument from us on that um CJ2K I mean the guy was an absolute stud at ECU but I mean he also went on to have that career in the pros and really made a name for himself and was really for that four or five year stretch of his career I mean he he had I mean he, he was one of the go-to running backs especially in fantasy or whatever everybody knew his name so I mean I think that I think that's also another great answer what about you Artie what do you think what's up with CJ2K I mean yeah I mean as as far as just his impact on on the football program and and what he was able to do at ECU um, I mean he's obviously in the Mount Rushmore of football he's in the Mount Rushmore of ECU period Um, so yeah I I definitely agree with that all right so up number three uh, who you got, I guess? So, number three, I'm going the baseball route. There's a lot of great ECU baseball players, great coaches to choose from. Uh, I mean, you can make a fair argument for Cliff Goblin right now. I mean, he's the only yep. ECU coach to ever take two teams to Super Regionals and uh, host two Regionals. Um, you could make an argument for one of his teammates as a former player, Chad Tracy who's in the ECU Hall of Fame, who probably has the most long-term Major League Baseball career from any ECU baseball player. But I'm going to go with the legacy impact here. Uh, Keith LeClaire, number 23, you know, his name is on the baseball stadium. Cliff Goblin, probably the reason he's coaching at ECU right now and is not in the SEC is because of Keith LeClaire. Everything he stood for – still stands in the ECU baseball program today. He was probably the most successful ECU baseball coach uh, over a five-year tenure, at least given the circumstances of his time at ECU. Everything he did for the baseball program, the vision he had, you know, took it from being a very good program to being a nationally known program. Um, And I think everything that he stood for is why he's on the Mount Rushmore. Um, at least on the baseball side for me. And, you know, I'm, I'm just glad EC has been able to keep his legacy going um, just for people to understand how important he was to ECU. So I go Keith Claire in my number three spot. Yeah, I, I mean, I think when we did our baseball one, I'd, ha- I'd have to go back and listen. I, I've got it in my notes here. But, yeah, I, I named Keith Claire as well um, when, when we talked about it. And, just the legacy, just knowing the, the story. I wasn't around ECU at that time, but knowing all that he did for the university and how how loved he is 
in Greenville at, at ECU. Um, I mean, when I look when I look at the number twenty three, I mean, yeah, you you think of all these great athletes, but I mean, when I the first thing I think of when I see twenty three is Keith LeClaire, um, just because I, I've grown to know the story, and um, I mean, it, it's a very powerful um, uh, it's a very powerful story, and I'm glad, like you said, ECU is continuing to keep his uh, his legacy alive um, and really help out the ALS Foundation, like they do with the Keith LeClaire Classic. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a, I think that's a great one. And like you said, Chad Tracy, I mean, he's a, he's a very considerable um, candidate for, for the Mount Rushmore for ECU. A, a lot of people that t tweeted back at us when we posed the question on, on our Twitter, a lot of people had Chad Tracy in their Mount Rushmore as well. So um once again, another really good answer. Um, and then batting cleanup, who, who, who's coming in fourth? So number four for me, you know, we got the big – we got two of the big three recognized as far as uh, football and baseball. So, uh, you know, I know ECU has not been the most historically strong basketball program over the years, uh, but I am going to go men's basketball here. And with the East North Carolina guy, First round NBA draft pick in 1989, Blue Edwards, uh, phenomenal player. Uh, again, this was before my time, so even I can't really appreciate how good Blue Edwards was. He played at ECU from 1986 to 89, but uh, ECU Hall of Famer and finished sixth in the nation in scoring one year, averaging 26.7 points per game, enjoyed a 10-year NBA career, um, was an NBA all second team rookie selection in 1990 scored 7,585 points in the NBA 10.8 points per game had uh, more than 2,000 rebounds and more than 1,000 assists in the NBA so a lot of good ECU basketball players over the year but Blue Edwards easily at the top in terms of NBA career and just his impact on ECU um, and so for me he's your your number one basketball uh, representative completing my um, ECU Mount Rushmore. A lot of good names I left off, I'm sure, but that's that's where I go for number four. Yeah, I mean, I I, I think we all had Blue Edwards on um, our our Mount Rushmores when we talked about it three or four weeks ago. Mm -hmm. um, I, I mean, you, you can't when you look at ECU basketball, and yeah, we've had some good names, but I mean, he's really the greatest basketball player we've had at ECU ever and uh mm -hmm. the things that he did in his pro career um it, it's nice to see that hey it, it can be done coming from greenville coming from ecu um and going and playing pro but hopefully we can get back to that maybe we can get some some of these guys um through and and continue to grow the basketball program already what about you what, what's your mount rushmore oh man that's that's hard to follow um Really tough. I, obviously, you know, Blue Edwards is definitely on, on, on mine. Um, so I'll go ahead and get him out the way. Uh, but switching gears, uh, I'm going to go with um, oh my Ron and Mary Ellen Dowdy, um, okay. who is, you know, the stadium is named in their name, um, along with uh, Ficklin. I think James Ficklin, who was a tobacco uh, pioneer in the early 50s or 60s. Um, but I go with them just because of the educational uh, financial, you know, foundation they set up in the early '90s 
um, to help ECU, to help grow their football program, to help grow the stadium, uh, to help grow the school. Um, and so I, if I had to pick number two, um, I'd probably go with them. Um, three might be a little off the wall with this pick, but I just love his story. I'm going to go with Justin Hardy. Okay. Uh, you know, just, just for him being a walk-on and, and to go from where he went to being, you know, pretty much one of the greatest receivers, the greatest reception leaders, you know, in the history of football, only getting surpassed by his teammate, Zay Jones. Um, I, I just, I think his story, it's such an ECU story. It's such an underdog story. Um, and he's, he's such a true pirate, still playing in the league today. Um, so if, if I had to put a number three, I'd probably go Justin Hardy. Um, four. That's where it gets tough because you, you yeah. guys start trimming names. You know what? J just based off of the program that he's built, I'm going to go with Cliff Godwin. Okay. I'm going to go with Cliff Godwin. Just, just based off of, you know, ECU's always had a good program. He's making it into a great program. And, and I really think the sky's the limit with Cliff Godwin. I really think, you know, this is, you know, given the time, it's a program that, you know, not, 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 you know, not only can go to the Super Regionals, but could go to a College World Series and possibly win a College World Series. So um, if I had to do my, my, my top four, it's a little, little, little quirky, but that that's probably would be my Mount Rushmore. Yeah, and I mean, I, with mine, I mean, I think both of, both of you named some really good guys, but with mine, I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to keep it as close to what I named originally um, when we went through the first three, but um, I really don't want to go with some of the same people y'all said. Dang, y'all <laughs> took some good ones. This is maybe maybe I should have gone first. Uh, um, so when I think about it, I mean. Looking at looking at ECU's history, um, I, I'd be remiss not to start off. I mean, I think looking back at his time at ECU, looking at his NFL career, um, I, I would have to say one of mine. So, for first off, I'm going to say Robert Jones. Okay. Um, I mean, he's – He's had three kids that have gone on to play mm -hmm. Division One football, but um, most notably Zay, mm -hmm. um, who came back and came to play at ECU to follow in his father's footsteps. Um, I mean, just seeing some of the things that he's doing. And he's still – I mean, he's probably one of the biggest names that still comes back and um, gives back to the program. Um, so I'm going to say him. Um, I'm also going to say another football guy because, I, I mean, I, just like y'all said earlier, I mean, I, I can't leave CJ2K off the yeah, list. Um, no. I, I just can't do it um, out of good faith for having a Mount Rushmore at ECU. I mean, I think he's the most notable athlete, really, especially in the last 15, 20 years to come out of ECU and um, really make a name and put ECU on the map, back on the map um, in the early 2000s, mid-2000s. Um, but then switching switching gears, I, I would have to say, yeah, like I said earlier, Chad Tracy um, had a hell of a career in the major leagues. Uh, like like I just said, one of the longest careers, if not the longest career of any ECU um, baseball player to come out. Um, I think I said when we when we talked about baseball, I think he was on there, but I almost came close to saying just just out of my heart. Um, I almost came close to saying Keith Leclerc again, but 
um, trying to change it up a little bit. And then, man, I'm, I'm going to change it up. Um, I don't want to. I don't want to go over what y'all said earlier. So I'm going to say, um, just from a fan's perspective, a recent fan's perspective, mm-hmm. um, I'm going to say Akeem Richmond for, okay. for That's basketball. A That's a good one. Um, I mean, guy had probably the most notable shot in ECU history um, to win the CIT championship in 2013. I mean, that, that was huge. Um, I remember that was before we ever stepped foot on campus. Um, yeah. I remember kind of flipping on Sports Center and seeing that was the number one play. And I was like, who the hell is this Akeem Richmond? Who, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I didn't know anything about ECU basketball at the time, but um, I grew to love ECU basketball and um, being able to see the end of his career um, at ECU. That, that was, that was special to me. Um, so yeah, that, I guess those would be my four Robert Jones, CJ2K, Chad Tracy, and Akeem Richmond. Um, but yeah, like like we've all been saying, so many deserving names to be to be named on ECU's Mount Rushmore. Um, I think we named ten or fifteen off last week after we finished the football Mount Rushmore. Yeah, so yeah. we were like, <laughs> here's our honorable mentions. Maybe maybe we'll have to do that another day. Right. Um, an honorable mentions category. Um, so I go, we have one question that we've been asking all of our guests um, over the past two or three weeks. We're going to continue to ask our guests this question. Um, we've got Brett from Sup Dogs coming on later um, in the podcast. But the question is, when you go to Sup Dogs, what is your Sup Dogs order? Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, that is a... That's a very good question. It's been too long since I've been in college. Um, you know, I know a lot of people go with the sup crush, but I'm just going to go with a traditional beer. I'm a yingling guy. Okay. So I'm going to get a yingling to drink. Uh, and I'm probably just going to go with the plain you – know, I'm a plain hot dog guy. But I've, Oh, wow. Okay. So, yeah, catch I don't up, like a lot nothing? of – You know, I might get some chili up there. Ooh, okay. Probably just okay. a plain hot dog, and uh, I'll take some some fries, some some cheese fries. So, um, and that'll be that'll be my simple yet effective order. Uh, <laughs> awesome. Yeah, top that off with some three or four yinglings, and you'll be feeling yeah. you'll be feeling fine. As long as you got sub sauce, it really doesn't matter what you order. To be honest <laughs> with you, you just gotta have yeah, sub sauce. Exactly. I'll pour the sub sauce over the over the hot dog. But oh, I'm yeah. just not a big ketchup or mustard guy. Okay. Have, so. have you tried the uh, – this is my go-to. I mean, I, I love bacon, cheese, whatever. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll eat bacon, cheese on anything. Um, the bacon, cheese, fries, bacon, cheese, tots, um, world-class bacon, cheese, fry burger. Um, but my go-to is the cheesy bacon delight. If you want to try to switch it up every, every once in a while, I, uh, I highly suggest that one. All it's got on it is – cheese, bacon, and some sup sauce. So um, maybe give that one a try. I can get down with that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I'll, I'll try that, yeah. Yeah. So, we, can, uh, we can have that while we debate the uh, the ECU Mount Rushmore uh, honorable mentions. Yeah, Absolutely. Definitely. Next time next time we come into Greenville, uh, we'll definitely have to get up and, and head over to Sup Dogs. And you can have your yinglings. I'll, I'll go with the orange sup crush. 
And yeah, I'm, I'm probably gonna get a sub swirl. To be honest ooh, with you, I love the sub swirls. Yeah. Mm. That, that's some good stuff. But um, wanted to thank you again, Iga, for for joining us um, on today's podcast. We're gonna have to have you back on once we start looking at the season preview. Yep. Um, and moving forward uh, as, as we continue to grow this podcast, um, I know I know you're somebody that Pirate Nation is very appreciative of, mm-hmm. um, and I, I echo as that. we are too. Yeah. So um, thank you again, Igo. Um, and do you have anything else that you'd like to say about Hoist the Colors or anything? You know, not really. Just if, if guys are, are listening to this podcast or anybody listening to this podcast who hasn't checked it out yet, you know, a lot of people um, – I will say that, you know, a lot of people sometimes think it's just a subscription site, but we do have a lot of free articles. And, you yeah. know, our message board is kind of a hybrid free subscription message board. So even if you're not subscribed to the site, we try to have at least two to three pieces per day uh, for the general public to believe. So, yeah, a lot of our recruiting stuff is VIP and, and whatnot, but we're always running specials, um, especially during this, you know, downturn of the economy, trying to help people out who want to subscribe and read about ECU. So uh, continue to check out the site. and We'll likely have a special uh, or two going on at one point or the other. And if, if we don't have one going on, reach out to me and I'll find a way to hook you up. So um, just appreciate everybody's support. And, Appreciate you guys and good luck with this uh, podcast moving forward. Thank you. All right. Well, we'll we'll talk to you soon. All right. Absolutely. Take care. I go. All right, guys. All right. Bye. So yeah, once again, we just want to thank uh, Stephen Iko for joining us on the Boneyard Podcast this week. Um, we th- we thought it was a really great interview. We thought it was a fun conversation. We hope that you all enjoy it. Um, so. Yeah, make sure you're following him at hoistthecolors.net. Um, that, that's where you can keep up with all the latest ECU news, um, recruiting, everything like that. And I've been a member of the v, the VIP, a VIP member for probably the last four or five years. And I highly recommend if you haven't, join as a VIP member, especially during this time. It's great to get in the discussions, chat with those people um, that are also on there talk with them, um, and really, really get to see what other other pirates are thinking. Um, Artie, what did you think about the interview? Yeah, I thought Igo was absolutely incredible. Um, you know, I knew he was a very knowledgeable person, but he was just like a knowledge bank. I mean, every question we asked, he just had an answer off the rip for us. And so um, it was very, very good having him on. Six episodes in, we haven't had a bad interview, to nope. be completely honest with you. So, um, you know, very, very excited to potentially have him on again. In the future, oh, yeah, we'll definitely have him back on. And uh, yeah, you know, you know that that interview was 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 very very awesome and, and knowledgeable. Uh, yeah, and just then, getting to, getting to talk to him. And, and then later on in the podcast, just stay tuned. We're gonna have Brett from Sup Dogs on the on the podcast. Um, talk a little bit about the history of Sup Dogs and um, everything that his family has kind of gone through kind of what it means to him to own something. So we'll talk about that in a little bit. But first, Artie, I want to talk about a question. We got a question in our direct messages mm-hmm. on on Twitter mm-hmm. at Boneyard Podcast. Um, the question was, what future game or series are you most looking forward to mm-hmm. for ECU football? I, I have a feeling I already know yours, mm-hmm. but why don't you go ahead and tell the fine listeners? You know, we've got a 
a lot of great upcoming series as far as ECU football. You know, we've got App State coming up. Um, you know, we're going to continue our series with Marshall. Um, but me personally, um, I grew up in Michigan, man. I'm still a Michigan man. Don't get it twisted. I'm a proud Pirate alumni. I'm always going to rep my purple and gold, but it was maize and blue before purple and gold. And uh, September 2nd, 2023, ECU is going to be traveling to Ann Arbor, Michigan um, to face the University of Michigan Wolverines. And, you know, I might be a little biased when I say this, but I think it's going to be the greatest atmosphere that they have had to travel to as far as a football program. I mean, I don't think ECU's ever been to a stadium that could fit 115,000 people in it. So um, I know that I will be going to that game. I don't care if I have to spend my life savings on it. I will be there. I will be, be there. I will be in the building. Who knows? Um, maybe we'll do a live podcast. <laughs> I will absolutely be there. Um, and, and, and I, you know, just as far as putting ECU on a national stage, I mean, you, you, you got to go out and you got to, you know, you got to schedule the Ohio States and the Michigans and the Alabamas and the Oklahomas of the world. So this is such a great step for our football program going forward to be able to play, you know, a school like Michigan. Um, like I said, I might be a little biased. I know everybody else has the other preferences out there, but you know, this is, this is huge for our program. Um, and it's going to happen in 2023. It's not like it's going to happen in 2030 or 2035. This is happening in three years. So it's actually coming up pretty soon. Um, and so I would say that's probably the matchup I'm most looking – future matchup I'm most looking forward to for our program. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I would I would 100% agree with that. Um, I I think it's going to be fun. Um, Ari, you and I, we, when we first heard about this, we, we both texted each other. We were like, yo, we're going up there mm-hmm. to Ann Arbor to see this game. I mean, I've been to several college football stadiums, but that, I mean, that's one of those stadiums that, I mean, it's a, it's, it's almost like you have to do it as a college football. Right. College if you're a true team. college football fan, that's one of those stadiums you, you probably got to go to. Right. So I, I, I'm really excited about that one. Um, another, another team that I'm looking forward to, another university I'm looking forward to, um, kind of starting back a series with, I'm looking forward to our series with um, – I've got two. I've got App State mm-hmm. um, just because I think that could be a really good rivalry. Mm-hmm. Um, both sides of the state um, kind of always been looked at. Both, both underrated. Of, both of them underrated, always looked at as underdogs. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, there's I've seen quite a bit of trash talk. Already, mm-hmm. and the game's two years away. Yeah, so um, I'm, and those games will be in Charlotte, correct? So one, so the way it'll be broken down is one game will be at Charlotte Thursday, September second is the first game of the series. I believe that's 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's at Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte, where mm-hmm. the Panthers play. Um, ECU's had pretty good luck there. They've been moved up to the Thursday night game because of. Uh, there's a, another game going on on Saturday, one of the like big highlight games, I guess. So they had to move us, which is bullshit if you ask me. But that, that's neither here nor there. But mm-hmm. um, and then they'll then come to ECU, I believe, in 2023. So I'm just looking here on future FBS schedules or FBS schedules. Um, yeah, so. They'll come to ECU two weeks after ECU travels to Michigan. So, who knows? We could take uh, both Michigan and App 
out in the same season. That that would be that would be incredible. That would be huge with Marshall in between, mm-hmm. and then we would go. Oh no, that would be at App State. Excuse me, I misspoke. So we would go to Michigan, play home at Dowdy against Marshall, and then we take a trip to that stoned mountain. <laughs> if you didn't catch that, sorry about that. At I know I know it's kind of hard to. Hard to keep up, but um, going up to Boone to Appalachian State to play them at, at in Kid Brewer Stadium. That's in 2023. Mm-hmm. So two weeks after a trip to Michigan, going up to a much sleepier um, environment <laughs> in Boone. And and also, you know, by by 2023, you know, if if Mike Houston is able to do the things that we all hope he can do, by that time we should have an excellent football program. And, and so yeah, and then. The next year, the following year, in 2024, you got App State coming into Greenville, mm-hmm. into a raucous environment. Um, there's going to be – there's plenty of families that have people that go to both ECU and App State. Um, that Those are the two schools that, I mean, I remember growing up, yeah, you had people that were fans of those schools. I won't name who they are in Raleigh-Durham. That's Raleigh-Durham. <laughs> and Chapel Hill. Um, so, yeah, that that's my take. I, I like App State. Um, another one, I mean, everybody's really hype about the Marshall mm-hmm. series just because of the history there. Mm-hmm. That I mean, if you had to look at one rivalry, yeah. It, that's just a classic. You we, know, just... Yeah, we've got a rivalry with our in-state opponents. But if I had to pick one rivalry for ECU other than maybe old-time Southern Miss – I would say Marshall is probably our biggest rival, but it's a rivalry built out of love, built out of um, a tragedy that happened um, after Marshall was leaving Greenville, leaving Dowdy Ficklin. Um, so yeah, that's that's one of the other ones. And then I would also say, I mean, I think they'll eventually be members of our conference, but we've still got a couple games against BYU left. Mm. I think I think they'll they will which historically we have a nice little series. Yep. So with we, BYU, we we played them uh, the last year under Ruffin McNeil. So mm-hmm. 2015, we went into Provo um, in 2024. They're coming back to Greenville to play, and then I believe we play a couple more times over the next the following years. So th- those are the games that I'm looking forward to. Um, of course, you got the. Uh, NC State and UNC games sprinkled in there. Um, looking all the way ahead, um, one last thing, Artie, that I would say, a game replaying a classic. Mm-hmm. Replaying a classic from the 2007 Hawaii Bowl. Mm. ECU-Boise State, that, that's going to be a fun series also. So um, good job on the scheduling part for ECU Athletics. Absolutely. I think um, they've done a phenomenal job with that. So I'm I'm glad. I'm glad to see we're not just playing the same, you know, schools. We know what happened with Virginia Tech. Honestly, screw Virginia Tech. If you're from my standpoint, anybody that I talk to from Virginia Tech, I have nothing for them, just because of how they acted after the hurricane a couple of years ago. So, I don't ever want to see them on our schedule ever again, ever. I'd love to just to be able to beat them. I want to beat them. Yeah. Well, screw them. Um, <laughs> Then I mean the UNCs, the NC States, yeah, they're fun. They get there's a rivalry there. There's hatred there. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm glad to see that we're stepping out 
I wouldn't mind seeing some more SEC schools hop in there. Right. Maybe that's that. But see, that's the next step. You may, know? Maybe seeing a school. I mean, it doesn't even have to be like the top tier SEC schools. I'm talking schools like Vanderbilt, mm-hmm. uh, Tennessee, right now, Missouri, Missouri, Kentucky. Right. Those, those type schools that are yeah, they're they're still an SEC school, but I mean, they're not the Alabama, maybe in Arkansas, gonna, or something gonna, like that. They're never going to travel. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like to see that. Um, I would also like to see us go up and play some of these uh, Northeast teams, maybe like a Penn State or uh, a Pittsburgh. Seeing seeing that rivalry kind of mm-hmm. um, build up, and I mean, there's still a rivalry with West Virginia. Um, the two schools they 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 don't like each other. I right. Mean, that they're kind of a bigger program than we are right now, but um, but yeah, I, I think that would be cool to see some of those former Big East teams mm-hmm. that are now part of like the Big 12 or the Big 10, um, see them and play them on a yearly basis. And I, and I will say, I think our, our athletic department understands that in order to be a part of the conversation, which is, you know, a, a college football playoff or, you know, a New Year's Six type of conversation, these are the type of games you have to schedule. You know, you have to, you have to play against the big boys and you have to win against the big boys and you got to do it consistently. Um, you know, we've seen UCF over the years, you know, go undefeated. And, and still not get their due diligence because of strength of schedule. And so I think, you know, a lot of these group of five schools are now starting to understand, okay, we have to align ourselves, you know, not just one game a year with the big boys, but a couple of games a year with the big boys to be able to put ourselves in a position to be a part of the conversation at the end of the year. Yep, and I 100% agree with that. So um, th- that's our answer. That was a question that we got in our DMs on Twitter. Marty, I, I think um, from going from here, um, we've been talking about a climate where there's no sports, there's really mm-hmm. no competition, but there was a competition. Talk about it. There was a competition several weeks ago, and guess what? We won the damn thing. We won the whole damn thing. <laughs> I think we did back-to-back on that back whole damn thing. To back boys and girls, back to back. Let's uh, throw this thing over to Brett Oliverio. We did an interview with him um, talking about the success of um, Sup Dogs, talking about the things that he's been doing in Greenville, mm-hmm. um, how his business is kind of trying to get through all this mess right. that we're in right now that we're living through. So, um, yeah, let's uh, throw it over to the national champion, Barstool Best Bar, Brett Oliverio, owner of Sup Dogs. Here we go. So our next guest for today's podcast is owner of the best bar in America. Um, welcome to the Boneyard Podcast, Brett Oliverio. How's it going, man? Good, good. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Yeah, so <clears throat> like, like we said, you're the owner of the best bar in America. Um, just want to congratulate you on that. Um, congratulate you for going back-to-back um, <laughs> as the Barstool Best Bar national championship or champions. <laughs> what does, what does all of this mean to you, man? What, what does it mean to go back to back to you? Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's awesome for our business and, and I'm just, uh, I'm happy for our staff and, and our community because, you know, it says more about uh, the people that work at Sup Dogs and the people that come through the doors and does about anything else. So, um, I mean, obviously it comes at a time where, uh, business is at a standstill. I mean, sure, we're doing delivery and takeout, but uh, we're not really doing what we normally do as a restaurant and bar. So 
Uh, it comes in an awesome time for marketing. And I'm just super proud of our staff and um, just beyond thankful that the community supports us as much as they do. Yeah, of course. Um, so I just also I wanted to ask you, so last year you had that great uh, championship party, that great championship celebration. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you kind of give us a glimpse into what to be on the lookout for once things kind of resume? Um, do you have anything in the pipeline as far as Yeah, I mean, I, Yeah, I had a conversation with the uh, Barstool Corporate, and they uh, – they, they want to have a, a huge celebration just as bad as, as we do. Um, mm. And it's going to sort of come at a mutually agreed upon time. Once we figure out exactly what's going on uh, with, you know, the semester and uh, social distancing and all that sort of stuff. Cause it's not really going to work if people have to be six feet from each other. Uh, Cause it just turns into just a crazy, crazy party. Um, so we, uh, we're sort of on the same page. We're just going to communicate throughout the summer and then figure out a, a mutually agreed upon time. And maybe it's even something where we combine the barstool party with doggy jams, uh, which is going to be October 24th. Mm-hmm. DJ Diesel, Shaquille O'Neal is going to be performing at that. So excited so, for that, by the way. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you. So, yeah, we're, we're both going to try to get down there for that. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, so we're, we're – you know, it's definitely going to happen 100%, but it's just, we're kind of at the mercy of uh, what the government and, and what the city allows. Yeah, definitely. Hey, Brett, this is, uh, this is already here. Um, I, I, I remember being a freshman in, in 2013 and Sup Dogs was so cool. It was so groundbreaking when I, when I got to campus and, you know, just seeing the growth from 2013 to now it's just been tremendous you know adding that second deck adding all the other things outside of uh, you know of sup dogs what would you say has been the main reason for success for sup dogs over the last decade you'd say the first thing that pops into my mind is just working on it 24 hours a day seven days a week i mean i mm-hmm. think anybody who's listening if you put 100 percent of your your energy and you spend 24 hours a day, seven days a week on anything, I think a lot can be accomplished. So uh, when my wife and I moved down to, to Greenville in uh, 2012, it was the mentality of I'm going to uh, try to run Dogs as best as humanly possible. I'm going to go mm-hmm. all in and commit every ounce of energy I have to this business. And hopefully it's good enough and it's either going to be good enough or, or it's not. And I, there was a chance that it wouldn't be and the business would fail and we'd run into the ground and who knows, maybe I'd go back to radio or find a, just a Joe job. But, um, I, you know, my wife and I just basically committed every second of every day to the business. Um, and, and really in anything, that's, that's about the only thing I can control is how hard, how hard can you work? that's sort of what's in control. Everything else, you know, getting lucky. Uh, you know, I think we've gotten lucky throughout the years a bunch of times. Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff in business that's sort of out of your control, but what you mm-hmm. can't control is the hard work. So uh, I just think what it comes down to is a ton of, of, of hard work. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, the, those are some very inspiring words. I mean, I, I studied business at, when, when I was at ECU. I mean, that was something that um, I, I wanted to do was eventually start my own business. Um, and look, if you want, and let me say this, if you want to start your own business, you know, what I tell everyone is just to do it. Um, 
you know, we didn't, it's not like my family had a lot of money. Um, my dad took out a home equity loan. My granddad chipped in a, a little bit of money to help start my brother's dream. Um, mm -hmm. But it's, uh, it's one of those things where you have to have laser focus and just dedicate your entire life to it. I mean, if you want to have outside hobbies and you want to, um, you know, go bowling and go to cookouts and, you know, hang out at your neighbor's house and, you know, you, you just, there's, you want to party, you go to all sorts of concerts. There's no time for that. It's got to be all in on the business and then, then it can happen. Right. A hundred percent agree. And, um, you, you talked a little bit about the history and something that, I mean, I don't think a lot of people have realized if they haven't grown up, um, knowing you or knowing what sub dogs was it like, like already said, I didn't, I didn't really know what sub dogs was or, really anything until I got to campus, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, I had seen some things on social media about, Oh yeah, you got to try sup dogs. You got to, you got to <laughs> go here. Um, got to have a drink here, yada, yada, yada. But, um, the, the story behind your family and your brother and everything that's kind of gone into making sup dogs, what it is and kind of creating that culture that, I mean, when you, when you walk into sup dogs, I mean, I'm willing there's been times I'm actually, there's a picture of me sitting out in the rain on y'all's Instagram <laughs> with, three or four, with three or four of my friends when y'all were building the deck. Um, y'all didn't have any indoor seating left. Um, and I was just sitting out in the rain eating my, eating my I hot dog. I think I remember that. I think I remember that because I remember my, my older brother and I were talking. We're like, I mean, what other restaurant in the world has customers that are willing to eat in the rain? Yeah. That, that, <laughs> yeah. I've talked about that. That, that, was, that was me. That was me. That's awesome. I, I'm you. sitting out there. There's a picture on your Instagram where I'm like holding up my sup crush. I think I then chugged it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's the kind of culture that, I mean, is built around sup talks. I mean, when you go there, you go there for a good time. You go there to be with friends and family. Um, I mean, what... I know a lot of your history, a lot of this business's history um, has led to that. Um, maybe what's something that growing up with you and your brother, um, did you ever see that this would ever be like an, an option for y'all? So he was, he was 18 and he sort of had this pipe dream where he wanted to start a specialty hot dog restaurant with beer, liquor, you know, high energy, girls everywhere, shots, you know, fun times. Um, but it was always going to be a restaurant, but then the bar part obviously would follow. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, he was just sort of dead set on starting Sup Dogs. And he came up with the name and it all came from, you know, when he was in high school, it was always like, yo, what's up, dog? Like that was part of the, you know, uh, part of the culture. And so he sort of found that name and he would just tell everyone, oh, I'm starting this, I'm going to start this restaurant called Sup Dogs. And everyone would just be like, this guy's crazy <laughs> but then uh so then you know my sister went to ECU and we found a little hole in the wall where it is now um my dad chipped in a little bit of money from a loan from the house and uh just sort of opened up and you know keep in mind he opened up sup dogs when he was 23 so mm -hmm. imagine being 23 single at ECU girls everywhere downtown is crazy so you know, he did an awesome job for the th three years that he uh, owned it and ran it, sort of making the business cool. You know, when after he passed away, um, 
when my wife and I got here, um, quit our jobs, moved down to Greenville, you know, people were coming through the door, but there weren't a lot of business practices in place because Derek's uh, strong suit was making the business cool, uh, making the business exciting. Um, so people were coming through the door, but it was sort of, you know, a lot of what you see on Bar Rescue as far as like crazy <laughs> stuff. It was, those days were like the wild, wild west days. Um, now it's, it's um, you know, so it's been a challenge. I mean, it's still a challenge putting business processes in place and it just has taken years and years and years. But the one thing we always had going for us and, you know, thanks to Derek and his energy and his personality was uh, people always came through the door. I mean, Derek was the best looking guy, the coolest guy, the funniest guy in the room. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, girls loved him, guys loved him. And, you know, he made stuff dogs. He brought the energy um, and I sort of just kept it going and then put in some business practices. So, um, yeah, that's kind of the story. And, you know, Jared and I actually just just watched a video on the story of, of, of sub dogs. And I remember at the end you you saying, you know, we could have just these two locations in Greenville or, or Chapel Hill. We could have zero. We could have 300. Um, yeah. What's your specific plans, though, for sub dogs? How, how big? So I, you know, I still don't know, really. Um, you know, both locations are busier than ever. I mean, we just had our uh, our busiest year ever. Uh, in 2019 here in Greenville and in Chapel Hill. So as, as the business is growing, uh, there's just, there's more headaches and more work that goes along with it. So, Absolutely. you know, and then, you know, we, my wife and I had a daughter a couple of years ago, so we sort of put expansion on the back burner. Um, but you know, with the crazy stuff that's going on now with, uh, the coronavirus, I think, you know, it sounds bad, but I think there's going to be a lot of restaurants closing mm -hmm. all around the country. So I think it's going to open up a lot of opportunity. Um, you know, I've had people ask me every day if they can franchise, how can I open up my own sub dogs? And I've had, I had a conversation, a bunch of conversations with the company that first franchised Jimmy John's. So, you know, there, there's a opportunity in the future, but, uh, I don't think any of it matters unless our ECU location continues crushing and absolutely. And we continue to grow and, uh, make our UNC location as, as, good as it could possibly be. So um, that's kind of where we're at right now. I think there's going to be a ton of opportunity in six months to a year. So if you have me back on in a year, I might have a different answer for you. Yeah, definitely. And I, I know you said it's about six months to a year out, but are, are there any campuses that you're looking at specifically? And uh, yeah, I mean, I, th I think, uh, I think we do awesome in Raleigh. Um, and I, we've made people don't really know this we've made three different um offers on buildings in raleigh trying to mm -hmm. open us up dogs over the last couple of years uh they fell through for a handful of reasons um one is that you know the real estate in raleigh raleigh thinks or they did think they were sort of like beverly hills where they <laughs> yeah, want that's that's, that's typical raleigh <laughs> I mean, they want an astronomical amount of money in rent. So, you know, it's just, why do that? I'd rather just not open. Um, but I think things are going to calm down there. And I, I know we do well in Raleigh because you have all the NC State students, all the ECU grads that move there, all the East, all the UNC grads that move there. Mm -hmm. I know we would do well in Raleigh. I think Wilmington is, has sort of a similar culture to Greenville. Um, 
people in Wilmington already love us. The brand is there. Uh, you know, there's every week there's people visiting from Wilmington that, that come into both subdogs locations. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's a real estate agent I've been communicating with that's keeping an eye out for property there. So, you know, I, I really think subdogs will work in any college town. Uh, but just for logistics and me being able to have a presence inside the restaurant, I think it needs to be somewhere um, within driving distance. Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, I personally would love if you could look into like the Piedmont Triad area. That's that's where me and Artie are stationed. So um, I can't really think of any schools here that I would, you know, directly benefit from. Maybe A and T, but Wake Forest, UNC. Yeah, Wake Forest. Yeah. So. Yeah, you know, I, I also think it would work outside of college towns. I mean, if you look at um, our restaurant in the summers and during breaks here in Greenville, it's like tons of families, tons of people, 25 to 50 hanging out. Like, it's not, you know, I mean, obviously after midnight, things get crazy with college students, but mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> you know, during Especially the day. On mug, most, on mug nights. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, you know, I think we would do well in any area. Yeah, definitely. Um, so you talked a little bit about how your business has been um, since the coronavirus has, has started and kind of taken, a, taken hold and put everything on hold in, in America. Um, how, how are y'all doing? Y'all, I, I see y'all are doing quite a bit of orders, right? Yeah, I mean, we're doing a, we're doing a ton of takeout and delivery, um, but it's almost impossible to make money off of takeout and delivery um for a full service restaurant to make any money i mean we got a lot of expenses a big payroll um in which we're lucky enough to continue paying most most staff so um it's just it's just really impossible to to make any real money and it's pennies Um, but that being said we do it so um people that want sub dogs can get it and we don't lose that connection to the community so when we're ready to open um you know, people haven't forgotten about us. So uh, we're sort of just weathering the storm. We're open 12 to nine or actually 11 to nine. Um, and uh, just trying to get people their sup dogs for lunch and dinner. We're giving out our sup crush cups to anyone that wants them to make homemade sup crushes at their house. Um, so that's kind of where we're at. Uh, you know, I, I'm glad we're open. We're busy, but mm-hmm. between labor and food cost and material and packaging of takeout and it's just tough on every restaurant. Yeah, definitely. And I, I, I know that y'all have been doing quite a bit on, um, on y'all's front as far as to go alcohol sales. Have you heard anything else about that? No, I mean, we're, uh, what, what I'm push, pushing for is, you know, every other state has temporarily allowed a cocktail to go, with your meal at a restaurant, Virginia, DC, Delaware, Texas, New York, almost every state. North Carolina doesn't care, they won't allow it. Meanwhile, there's literally lines out of the liquor, the state run and controlled mm-hmm. liquor store. So they're mm-hmm. printing money hand over fist at the liquor stores. Meanwhile, the restaurant industry is dying. Imagine if every restaurant had to staff a bartender across the state, how many tens of thousands of jobs that would uh, save. And the state just has no interest in allowing a restaurant to serve a cocktail. I mean, for us, that would be hundreds of, 
of dollars a day in a revenue and extra staff member. Um, to me, it's just a no brainer, but the state alcohol laws are archaic and the people that are running the state just don't particularly care. But that being said, you know, I don't necessarily blame them. I mean, there's a lot going on. There's, right. uh, you know, allowing restaurants to serve a sub crush to go is probably last on their list, but every other state managed to allow that. So it'd be nice if we were able to do that as well. What do you, what do you think might be like the, the hesitancy on it on, on why they wouldn't allow restaurants to do that? Spe- like specifically here in North Carolina. Uh, they just, it's just a matter of going in and, and, temporarily changing a law. So I think that mm. process of getting the general assembly together and actually doing it is why they have it. Um, I mean, there was a new story about allowing, you know, the, you know, restaurants want to serve cocktails to go and mothers against drunk driving um, came out in full support of it. So, you know, anybody with half a brain uh, supports a local restaurant being able, I mean, it, you, Look, when you're serving a cocktail with a meal, you do it safely. The, the right. drink has to be sealed. There's a whole process to it. But mm-hmm. for the you're state to just IDs not and all that other stuff. Yeah. checking IDs, but for the state to just not, it's not one of those things where you're handing someone a shot and they're taking it and right. or, or sipping a shot on their way home. Like it's, you know, there's a pr- safe process that every state has to follow. But North Carolina just doesn't. They're just they're any anything relating to alcohol. Um, they drag their feet about. And, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of politicians are worried that the older voters, um, it's going to upset a lot of older voters. But what they need to realize is that older voters, particularly people 60 and over, only care about catching coronavirus right now. They don't yeah, care no. about anything else in the entire world. I mean, my dad's 73. The only thing on his mind is not catching this damn virus. They don't care right. about restaurants being able to serve a cocktail to go exactly. with a meal because the restaurant industry is dying. And, and, you know, I'm not a political, I mean, I'm just focused on our business, so I don't have any political views. Um, but to me, it's just a no brainer and the state just hasn't done anything about it. And it's mm-hmm. ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, I think Artie and I were, we're yeah, we, we, we agree. Yeah. We yeah. both agree. Yeah. <laughs> so stupid. I mean, if, if I was in Greenville right now and if I could, go and get a sub crush i mean i probably would right right I'd, exactly I'd do that knowing that the restaurant is taking the you know necessary precautions going into it you know yeah and i mean just thinking about it i mean i i work for a company that i mean they they're consulting for a consulting firm that helps small businesses and knowing what small businesses are going through right now especially the restaurants we don't work with restaurants but knowing what those small businesses are going through i mean I know it's tough, especially on people. I mean, I'm furloughed right now, but I, I know that um, anybody that can help keep somebody in work and uh, give them some money to come to work and do a job that's helping the helping the local economy. I mean, I, I think that's a great opportunity. And I mean, I, I think that's yeah. a place that we're missing out on. And I think so. How does it? I mean, if you realize that, and I realize that, and everyone in the state realizes that, right? Why is it not? Why is nothing being done? <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. So, but look, you know, whatever. Um, all of this, all of this will pass, and yeah, eventually we'll have enough people to be able to go out, and we'll be having sub crushes, having sub swirls <laughs> all over again. Look, it's. I mean, it's tough on every restaurant because the bills keep coming in, mm. and the money 
stops. So the money stops and the bills just keep piling on and eventually you drown. I mean, that's kind of why I think restaurants are barely hanging on right now. I think, like I said, six months from now, minimum 50% of the restaurants that you, that are open right now won't be open. They're just going to be swallowed up. Well, um, and you know, luckily we've been pretty conservative over the years as far as saving money and that sort of thing. So we're going to be fine, but you know, there's only, you know, you can only operate a business with, with zero money coming in for so long. I would, I would say, um, switching gears a little bit. Um, you know, you started doggy jams in 2010, uh, in honor of, in, in, in honor of your brother. Um, and well, he, this October he, we got he, he, diesel, actually, he, you know? he actually, my brother actually started it. Oh, he, okay. Started he started. Up, okay. Okay. Yeah. I really haven't talked about it much cause no one's really asked like a long in-depth explanation of it, but he, he started doggy jams in 2010. as like this jam band sort of reggae party, like hippie party on 420 mm-hmm. where there was like 40 people out in our parking lot. Shout out to listening, 420. Listen, yeah. <laughs> listening. <laughs> yeah. Like listening to jam bands. Um, and I remember um, literally the first year, like I, I, I got to Greenville in February, 2012. So we had doggy jams in April, but I mean, I planned it, but I didn't really know anything about it. And, I remember there was just some dude playing a guitar with no shoes on. Like that was doggy jams with like 40 people on the parking lot. So, um, but yeah, yeah. So that's kind of how it started. Um, and like you said, this year we have DJ diesel. So we were, we were able to in 2004 and it, it also was like jam bands, hot dog eating contests, mm-hmm. games. Like it sort of started off like that. And then in 2014 um, we had a cover band that was just playing mainstream music, like a party band and the weather was beautiful and 2000 people showed up and it was yeah. just a huge rager. And I'm like, well, this is no longer jam bands, mm-hmm. hot dog contest. This is a mainstream music event. And, and, and I was, I was going to ask like, what, what, what do you think, you know, help grow doggy jams into what it is now? Cause I mean, any, anytime you get Shaq to come through, you know, you know, you're doing something right. So. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, just showing, people that come to the event and then the city, which ultimately has to approve that you do the event, that it's a first class event, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, sound, staging, staffing, security, police, uh, beer, liquor, like everything's got to be first class because if it's not, you can't get any artist of any caliber to come to your event. Um, And, you know, just having a track record of having a little John, DJ Polly D, Brody Jenner, Mm-hmm. Uh, DJ Esco, some so some of these names they help you in future years get people like like DJ Diesel's people are like oh well you know they ask me well who who have you worked with in prior years send me video right. of prior years send me photos of prior years so when they see it's a it's a legitimate event and not just some you know backyard hangout um, right and then look it comes down to just paying them a lot of money so if you're able to if you're able to sell the tickets um, then you can make some money back and it's not a big money making event for us at all. Um, it, Doggy Jam is pretty much a break even event, but it's awesome for marketing. Mm-hmm. So if you can sell the tickets, then you can spend the money on guys like DJ Diesel, Shaq. Um, mm-hmm. 
and hopefully make your money back. Now, if you can't sell the tickets, then you run the risk of just kind of going broke. But, uh, you know, luckily, we're, every year, people come out and support the event. Absolutely. So is, is this year's Doggy Jams, I know that you've had to reschedule it. Is Doggy Jams this year, is it sold out already? No, it's not sold out. I mean, it was trending to, I mean, let's just say there was no coronavirus. It would have been sold out easily. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, but, you know, with uh, a lot of the tickets being sold to seniors and we offered, I mean, most concerts, if, it, if an event gets postponed, they very rarely offer refunds, but I didn't think that was the right thing to do. So we offered refunds to anyone that wanted them. So we refunded a ton of tickets. Um, a ton of people still held onto their tickets, but there's still tickets available. Um, Supdogstickets.com. The event is rescheduled for October 24th, which is a Saturday. Um, mm -hmm. It's a bye week for ECU football, so it sort of falls on a good weekend. And uh, that was a date that worked for Shaq, so we went ahead and moved it to October. Now I just hope you know things are back to normal and we're allowed to have an event with five thousand people. Absolutely, you you and tight yeah, because we we would both love to be there. So yeah, heck yeah, you guys should come for sure. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, so one last question before we head off. Um, we ask all of our guests this. We've had three guests so far. Um, this is a question that I mean it, it kind of just started up organically. Mm -hmm. um, but now that we have you on, we really want to ask it. So what is Brett's sup dogs order? Go to sup dogs oh, order. Man. Um, I love that question, by the way, especially for other guests. Um, <laughs> I, uh, you know, I go through phases. Like it's weird. Like I have a rule where I don't really eat sup dogs unless my family or friends are in town. But then, cause they all, anytime someone visits, they want to go to sup dogs. But then mm -hmm. when I go in, I just, literally pig out and eat a ton and drink a ton. Um, <laughs> Same as everybody else. <laughs> so I go, I, I literally go through phases. Like um, a year ago, I was going through like a cowboy burger phase with, mm -hmm. with okay. bacon cheese fries. And then I was like, I love the smokehouse dog. Um, the last time I went, I got, I started off with nachos, extra chili. Uh, Cause I think our nachos are just awesome. Especially if you add extra chili. Yeah. Delicious. And then I got a, uh, I, I got a smokehouse dog, double the dog with a buffalo dog and bacon cheese fries. Ooh. But then I also love like our buffalo boneless wings. Uh, yeah, you got, you got some very underrated buffalo boneless wings. I will say that. They're very underrated. Right. No, I agree. Um, and that's what people, you know, people see like, oh, it's easy. It's hot dogs, hamburgers. But like the amount of energy we put into our food is, is pretty crazy. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, I think most people don't realize that, but it takes uh, a lot of effort and energy to, to serve a consistent product 16 hours a day, seven, uh, seven days a week times two locations. So um, shout out to our uh, kitchen managers and our, our, our sub chefs because they, they kill it every single day. Um, but look, I, you know, I tell everyone, I, I still see our food every day times two locations and I, and I just love it. And I love our drinks. So, what, what's your favorite? Um, what's your favorite cocktail? The grapefruit sub crush is my favorite. Yes, okay. um, <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, it's just can't be. Once you start drinking drinks with fresh squeezed juice, it's hard to like go to a regular like college bar mm -hmm. and get like a cranberry vodka. 
just yeah, right. Yep. Yep. Um, I was telling. What, what do you? What's your? What do you? What, let me hear your go-to meals. Oh, mine is mine is absolutely the blackout burger. I I, I love the combination yeah. of the jalapenos and the chili and the sub sauce, and then I, uh, I gotta get I, the bacon cheese fries, and I gotta get the extra sub sauce. I mean, that's just that's my like. I've probably gotten that at least thirty times. <laughs> see, I, see, I'm uh, I, I'm a, uh, I, I went through a, about two years of only getting blackout burgers. Yeah, I love yeah. that. So love that. So good. But yeah. it's the most expensive burger for us to make. So. When you're mate, when you're eating that, which I'm glad you enjoy it, the profit. Oh, I love it. Because you, yeah. you know, you have the bacon, the chili, the cheese, mm-hmm. the onion ring. Man, I'm um, getting hungry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So then mine, uh, I've talked about this a couple times now. Mine's the cheesy bacon delight, double the dogs with another cheesy bacon delight, bacon cheese fries, <laughs> just a bunch of cheese and bacon everywhere. The best. The um, best, right? With with an extra sup sauce. And then give me an orange sup crush. Mm-hmm. And uh, who, who knows? Maybe we'll do a load of Corona after that. So. And look, my, my, you know, my brother came up with sup dog sauce. So, I mean, he, he, he came up with the recipe and he tasted it. And he was like, this goes good on everything. Which like, he, is, we, he is the godfather for that. Because that's <laughs> the greatest sauce in the world. <laughs> it, it literally, like, it goes, I'm in the process of trying to, like I have the recipe approved by the state. I have a bottling company that's ready to bottle it. It's one of the things mm-hmm. I really need to, to work on because it's going to be bottled. It, it has to be. It's, it's awesome. I love that sauce. Thank you. Sup sauce. Hopefully coming to stores near you. <laughs> I know, right? Gosh, you, you could probably make a killing off that with all, oh, the, absolutely. With all the ECU alum all over the, yeah. all over the country. So. Literally, it tastes good on everything. Fries. Yeah. My dad puts it on salad. People put it on pizza. Like I was about to say, breakfast sandwiches on, on pizza. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, Brett, uh, I just want to thank you again for joining us uh, once again. Congratulations! Absolutely. On winning back Barstool to back best bar. Back thank to you guys. Back. Um, we're, we're really excited for that. We're excited to see you uh, open back up fully. Mm-hmm. Um, we're excited for. Doggy Jams and this celebration, Doggy Jams, October 24th. Um, what was that? What was the website again? Uh, Subdogstickets.com. Subdogstickets.com. So, so if you're listening to this, buy your tickets um, before they sell out again. Um, and then, yeah, that I, I just wanted to thank you again, Brett. Um, no problem. I'm ready th- to get th- Go ahead. What's that? I said thank you guys for having me on and uh, – and you mentioned you were furloughed, so so good luck, man. I mean, it's just it's incredibly tough times for everyone, but I think mm-hmm. um, I think there's a lot of opportunity, whether um, in any field you're in. So um, just hang in there and grind through it because it literally everyone's sort of in the same position. Like, I hope you're not down on yourself, no, losing I- confidence, because literally, I mean, we're not making any money, like, yeah, right now. I, I'm I'm fortunate enough. Like I said, I work for a consulting firm. Um, we we work with small businesses, and our our CEO is a very smart, um, very um, well-rounded businessman. And the way he explained it to me, he said, "I, I get that it's tough, but it's also I want you to have a job to come back to once all this is all said and done." So we're going to go ahead and put you on furlough and then we're going to, you're going to still have your job once everything's done. 
that way you can come back and get back into the swing of things. I'm in marketing. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, of course, uh, I 100% understood rather than just bleeding money uh, when we can't go into small businesses because they don't want us there. Um, mm -hmm. I, I said, yeah, definitely. I'll, I'll go on furlough. We, we did that with most of our employees. We have employees traveling all over the country. So um, people didn't want us coming into their business carrying any virus um, if somebody had it. So yeah, I, I'm fortunate. I know other people that aren't. Um, right now I'm taking the time. My wife is also furloughed. So we're both taking the time to just kind of spend this time together, um, hang out. It's also given me a chance to really focus on this podcast. Like like you said, when it's something that you really want to do. Mm -hmm. um, you, just, yeah. you just put this your nose is, to the ground and grind. This is something that, I mean, we, we both really wanted to do. And I now have some more time to dedicate to this um, to really get us off the ground. This is just episode six. So um, cool. we're, we're going to get off the ground. We'll, we'll be, we'll be uh, growing this thing into a, to a major podcast and be one of the most influential media outlets for ECU and mm -hmm. Greenville as a whole. But that's awesome. Yeah, Brett. Um, thanks again, man. Um, really appreciate it. Absolutely. And Love the time. We'll, we'll have to have you back on uh, once everything maybe closer to doggy jams. All right. Perfect. Let's do it. I appreciate it guys. Absolutely. Stay safe, Brett. All right. Nope. Take care guys. You All too, right. man. See ya. Bye. Thanks for having me on guys. Appreciate it. Once again, we'd like to thank Brett Oliverio from Sup Dogs uh, for joining us on the podcast. It was a really great conversation that we had with him. Um, just kind of really talking about all the cool things that he's doing. Um, Sup Dogs is doing for Greenville and Chapel Hill, where their two locations are. Um, seeing where they're thinking about maybe adding new locations, um, kind of picking his brain about that. Um, that was something that I, I really enjoyed that. I thought that was a great conversation. Mm -hmm. um, Artie, I, I know you you said the, kind of the same thing. Yeah, I, I, I thought it was fantastic. I thought both interviews today were fantastic. Um, you know, if you would asked me a couple months ago that I think I was going to be interviewing the owner of Sup Dogs, uh, no, especially not on episode six of, of our podcast. You know, I, I figured that'd be, you know, something way down the line. So um, I thought the interviews went great. I thought uh, Brett was great. Um, so I'm very, very excited for people to listen, especially to this episode. Yeah, I think this is going to be the episode um, where everything starts to happen. Mm -hmm. we, we start seeing some traction. Um, and all that, we, we do everything we do, guys, um, listeners, everything we do is we're doing this to put content out for you. We know that right now it's a pretty hard time um, in the world. So we wanted to get some of these interviews um, together and bring that to you, kind of continue to boost up mm -hmm. ECU athletics continue to keep that conversation going absolutely about ECU because it's something that's important to me I know it's important to you and I'm, I'm hoping it's really important to our listeners mm -hmm. all of Pirate Nation um, and to thank you all for listening and um, to kind of continue to grow this thing and it's something I'm so excited about um, we talked a little bit about about it in the interview with Brett um, growing this podcast but I really want to to grow this, and um, I'm excited to do it. Um, we, we're going to have some help. We have a we have a sweepstakes, a Twitter sweepstakes that we kind of teased last week on the podcast. We mm -hmm. kind of mentioned it on Twitter a couple times, but it's actually happening now. It is happening. Yep, it's showtime. I if I had Morgan Ayler's 
the drop for his <laughs> it's showtime. Yeah, I'm not gonna do that. He does it great in Dowdy Ficklin and in Minji's. But but let me talk to you for a second. We're gonna do a we're gonna do a giveaway with Sup Dogs, the national champions, Barstool Best Bar in America. Mm-hmm. Right? We're gonna we're gonna do a collaboration with them. We're gonna be get, doing a giveaway on our Twitter account. So make sure you're following us. Make sure that you are you have our tweet notifications turned on. That way you don't miss it. Mm-hmm. You don't want to miss this, this. And this giveaway is only through our Twitter account, correct? Correct. Right. So you do not want to miss this. I guarantee you, you don't want to miss this. Okay? Here's how it's going to work. Later on this afternoon, so we're recording on Sunday afternoon, later this evening, we will put out a tweet, and it will be our pin tweet for the next week, week and a half. Uh, we hope to pick a winner in about two weeks, so that way we can give everybody enough time to enter. That, right. So here's how it's going to work. You're gonna, you can like, retweet, and make sure that you're following us on Twitter. That's at Boneyard Podcast. Once again, at Boneyard Podcast. No spaces, no underscores, no nothing. Straight up Boneyard Podcast, at Boneyard Podcast. Same on Instagram. All right? You can then, so you like, retweet, and follow. That's going to enter you once. All right? You can then reply to the tweet showing that you're subscribed. So just send a screenshot showing that you're subscribed to our podcast. Whatever podcast platform you listen on, whether it's Google, Spotify, Apple, uh, SoundCloud, CastBox, any of those. Let us know by sending in that picture. You can even hashtag Boneyard Bounty so that you make sure that we see it. So that we can make sure that you're being entered the correct amount of times. Mm-hmm. That's gonna give you an extra that's gonna give you an extra entry for our contest, for our sweepstakes, right? So retweet, follow, and like. So that'll get you one. Reply with a picture showing that you're subscribed. Mm-hmm. That'll get you two. Mm-hmm. Okay? We're gonna announce in two weeks on the on the podcast. Okay? So make sure that you're listening over the next couple weeks. Make sure you're following us. But, Artie, with any contest, with any sweepstakes, we got to give away a prize, right? Absolutely. And, Artie, you know what the prize is, right? So, the prize is its huge. It's something that, if, if I could, I would love to take it for myself. But I can't because I love our listeners so much. We've got so many of them over the last six weeks since we've been doing this. What we're doing, we're teaming up with Sup Dogs. The winner of our sweepstakes will win a new back-to-back national championship shirt from Sup Dogs, mm-hmm. right? Which these are $28 MSRP, Yep. so you'll be getting that for free. Yep, so that, that's the first part, right? You're getting a $28 Sup Dogs Barstool Best Bar national championship t-shirt in your size. We're going get to get with you, get that right to you. We're going to have it delivered. Mm-hmm. You don't have to pay for jack shit. All right, but number numero dos, number two. I don't know how to say it any other way. We're also going to be giving you a one hundred dollars sup dogs gift card, which we know y'all want that one hundred dollars. You know how many don't act like y'all don't want that. You know how many sup crushes you can buy with a hundred dollars? I don't even know, but you can buy plenty. I can guarantee you can get have a good night 
off of fifty dollars, twenty five dollars, but we're gonna give you a hundred. I'm gonna tell you right now, twenty five dollars in Greenville will take you a long way. So a hundred dollar gift Could card at Subs take, is take phenomenal. The, take this gift card to Mug Night. Buy a round for three tables, four tables, five tables. Hell, you can buy buy a round for half the bar. <laughs> Probably. So with this contest, you will be entered to win a Sup Dogs National Championship T-shirt mm-hmm. and a hundred dollar gift card. Okay, so I highly suggest y'all do it. Make sure to follow us, retweet the tweet, mm-hmm. and. Send in a picture showing that you're subscribed to the podcast to get you an extra entry in to the into the contest. So please do that. Um, we're looking forward to this. We're really excited to uh, grow this thing. Do it with Subdogs. This contest is also going to help uh, help those employees at Subdogs. Absolutely. Um, during this time, since there's a lot of their uh, businesses been um, shut down over the past couple weeks. Um, they, they're not having as many customers. Um, we talk a little bit about how they can't sell alcohol right now. So yes, please, please, please enter. Cause you're going to want to get this prize. And you know, this, this is great marketing for us. It's great marketing for sub dogs, but it's also a good way and a good chance for us to get to know our listeners and our followers a little, a little bit more personally, you know, kind of put a face in the name. And so we really want you guys, too. right. We really want you guys to participate in this, um, so that, you know, we can actually, you know, get to know some of you guys personally, you know, and actually, you know, put some faces to, you know, to the, to the name. And, and we're really excited for this. You know, this probably won't be our only sweepstakes, uh, but really excited, you know, to, to, to do this with sub dogs. So, uh, yeah, like retweet, send in a pick and, uh, let's, let's win this gift card and this shirt. Yeah. Um, and if, if you want to donate half of it back to me, that's perfectly fine. If you win. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll happily take that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> or you can buy you can buy me and Artie a beer next time you see us. And, and That'll work too. Okay. So, guys, thank you again for listening to the Boneyard Podcast. This has been episode six. Mm-hmm. Probably our best episode so far. I'm really excited for y'all to all hear this. Um, thank you again to Igo, Stephen Igo, and Brett Oliverio of Sup Dogs. Um, make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Boneyard Podcast. You can also find us on Facebook. Um, once again, Boneyard Podcast on Facebook. Um, make sure you're subscribing. We're on Apple, Google, Spotify, CastBox. We're on all of them, mm-hmm. right? So um, we're working to get on SoundCloud. We're working to get on Stitcher. Um, those are taking a little bit longer, but I promise we're going to be there. Um, if you can just bear with us, listen to us, um, we're also going to be coming out with a website soon. I know we've been talking about it a little bit. We'll be coming out with a website over the next. Um, I'm, I'm going to say it here on the podcast. We'll have a podcast, or we'll have a podcast website in three weeks. Because if I say it on the podcast now, that means I have to go home you and do it. Have to go home and do it. <laughs> Not sit on my ass and watch Ozark all, all week. Phenomenal show, by the way. Yeah. So yeah, um, make sure to make sure to do all that. Um, leave us a review. We want to hear from y'all. Send us a direct message if you have a suggestion. If you have a question or you want something, um, want us to talk about something or incorporate something into our podcast, we, we want to do that for you. We want to be the podcast for the people, for Pirate Nation. We want to be your go-to. So make sure you're doing these things. Make sure you're letting us know what we can do, how we're doing. Let us know the good things. Let us know the bad things. We want to know. We want to grow. We want to be the best podcast around. So yeah, make sure you're doing these things. 
Uh, let us know on social media. Um, you can also shoot us an email at boneyardpod at gmail.com. Um, we'll also have, um, once we have that website up, we'll have some things that you can contact us there. We'll have a phone number up so you can call us, do all these things. Um, yeah, really, that, that's all I got to say. Follow us, like, subscribe, leave us a review. Mm-hmm. Um, so on that note, I'm out. Artie, anything else you'd like to say? I've got nothing left to add. That was phenomenal. Great episode this week. And uh, until next Sunday, Pirate Nation, we out. We out. Peace. Peace and